morning, guys. Y'all can stand up and sing with us.
guys have a seat. Uh, if this is your first time worshiping with us, we are so thankful that you're here. Uh, welcome to Lindsay Lane East. We actually have a special gift that we would love to give you today. So this is, if you're new here, in the back of the seat in front of you um, is our what we call our Connect card. If you'd take that card and fill that out with as much information as you feel comfortable with, on your way out today, you can stop by our Next Steps desk, which are in the lobby. Give your card to them, and uh, they'll give you um, a, your very own Lindsay Lane East T-shirt, just a gift from us. And we would love for you to have that today. So make sure that you do that. Um, I am uh, Heath. I'm the pastor, uh, Lindsay Lanise. But today I'm leading worship and or playing guitar anyway. And uh, so uh, Patrick and I had a harebrained idea a while back uh, to swap places. And uh, he, he's, he's a gifted communicator. And I can strum a guitar. And so we decided to swap places one Sunday. So you guys will get to hear from Patrick, uh, who's usually leading worship. And so I'm excited for you to hear the message that God's laid on his heart. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun today. Uh, this week was VBS, and man, it was so much fun. Uh, we had over 80 kids come through our door uh, this week, and a high of 71, and which I hear was like record numbers for Lindsay Lane East. And so we're so thankful for that. And uh, the most exciting thing to share with you is that um, we got to talk with five children who profess faith in Christ this week. And so we're pumped about that, and you should be too. So I'm going to say it one more time and pretend like you're really pumped about it. We talked with five kids this week who profess faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It is awesome. And so we're going to be baptizing as many of those as we can on June 27th. It's going to be a big baptism day for us. So if you've been wrestling around with uh, being baptized, uh, never been baptized, or you've been wrestling around with trusting in Christ, June 27th is coming. We would love to get you in the waters as well. And so VBS was so awesome. I want to show you a quick video uh, just to let you know some of the things that happened.
now stand and sing with us again. Oh, oh, oh. 
Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful, um, God, that uh, even in the midst of our sin, uh, God, you didn't you didn't leave us to figure out life um, life without you, separated from you and our sin. But God, you you made a way. You brought mercy uh, where we could only bring sin. And Father, I'm grateful for that in my own life. And God, I'm grateful. To, um, we get to love one another through sin, through our sins. We get to we get to love one another um, through difficulties. And God, I pray over Patrick now, God, as he opens up your word to discuss what sin looks like in our lives, I pray, God, you give him uh, clarity of mind and confident uh, spirit, God, to speak from your truth. We love you and we thank you. We ask you today to be with us and teach us to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to our friends via live stream. Uh, thank you all so much for being here. Um, Kenny asked me before our first service if this was weird. It is. Uh, far more comfortable behind a guitar, microphone in my mouth. Um, but I, I, I truly believe that, that God has spoken through this message. He did the first service. Um, he's been working on me as we've been kind of working through this the last few weeks. So I hope... <clears throat> This message kind of speaks to you all. Um, he gave me a very simple topic, which is sin. Uh, so get ready. Um, honestly, it's simple because it's universal, right? Sin is not a problem that just I have or just you have. We all have it. Um, so that actually makes it kind of easy to speak to to that. Um, so uh, bear with me as we go through this. Um, it has been about two and a half years or so since I've preached. Um, you, you, can, you can be the judge as to why that is. Um, I have my opinions, but, um, <clears throat> so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Patrick Buckley. I'm the, I'm normally the worship pastor here. Um, I've been at East, well, I've been the worship pastor serving in that capacity since about 2015, um, which makes me the elder statesman around here. Um, been the longest staff member, um, you know, Heath and Kenny are, are kind of babies when it compares to how long I've been around here. Um, but we love it here. Um, been here for that long for a reason. Um, God has me here. He has me serving here. My family is growing here and, uh, just, just love it here. So, um, so by way of introduction, um, I'm a husband, uh, to my wife, Courtney, who's actually at home. Um, my son, Micah is, is home with a fever. So, uh, prayers for Micah and, and for my wife too, so that, that she doesn't catch what he has. But, um, I'm a husband to Courtney. I'm a father to my four beautiful children, uh, two of whom are sitting over there, and I could see you, so behave. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's that's Mary Abilene and Asher, my two oldest. Micah's at home with the fever, as I mentioned, and Emmy Ruth is the one that runs around here in the pink tutus. Um, I'm also a son, right, to my parents, Mike and Jan. I'm a brother to my, my three siblings. Uh, I'm an uncle. I'm a nephew. I'm all these things, right? We, we associate ourselves with the relationships we have in this world, right? We're, that's just kind of how we identify ourselves. And so that's important. Relationships are very important, as we all know. Um, and there's some, and we'll, we'll build on that a little bit later as we go. Um, on top of that, um, I'm a Christian. Um, I'm a blood-bought saint of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, only because of what Jesus has done in my life. Um, happened when I was older in life. I was 23 years old. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. But um, point is, is that... All, that, that shades my entire worldview, right? The biblical perspective, the Christian perspective should shade everything we look at 
um, through that lens. Um, I'm also a research scientist. Uh, a gentleman left <laughs> first service this morning. It was really funny. He said that research scientists are one of the few groups of people that people just don't interact with. Um, I guess there's not many of us or something. But that's my title. So now you guys can say you've met a research scientist, I guess, uh, if that's important. Um, anyway, uh, also the worship pastor, as I mentioned, uh, I'm an athlete. I've been running marathons since 2010. Um, I'm one of those crazies you see running around when there's nobody chasing them. Um, <clears throat> normally people don't run unless there's like a bear coming after them. Um, I do it for fun. Uh, I'm a reader. I'm an amateur woodworker. I do all these things, right? Point is, right, <clears throat> all these things that we do, all these people that we know, all these relationships that we have, shade the worldview that we have, shade the world around us, and uh, sort of gives us how we, how we view everything around us, right? Um, as I mentioned, right, the topic today is going to be sin, and specifically we're going to talk about a, a, a passage that, that Paul references from Zechariah where he basically tells us, do not sin, which sounds piece of cake, right? Easy peasy. Um, that is not the case. But the reason why I'm so excited about this, this message uh, in general and the, and, the, and the whole sermon series this summer specifically is um, 2019 I did a study on Ephesians, which is probably my favorite Pauline letter. Um, so I've got a lot of context, a lot of background that we can build off of, and I was going to sort of present some of that this morning um, because, uh, as Heath always talks about over and over again, you guys are probably sick of hearing it, context is important. Um, I truly believe that. That was one of the things he mentioned when we interviewed him for the senior pastor role, and I was like, yes, I'm going to like this guy. So he's all right, I guess. Um, so just, you got it, brother. You got it. Um, and he's a good guitar player, too, y'all. Did you guys know that he was that good at it? My goodness, that's pretty awesome. I want to be Heath when I grow up. Um, so when I do contextual studies, I kind of look at four things, and I have an easy way to remember it. It's A-A-P-P, author, audience, purpose, and period. Right, and there's some space in the back of your notes for notes if you want to, if you want to jot that down. Um, I won't even take credit for it. Um, <clears throat> I've learned this over the years. Those are four things that I like to look at when I'm trying to understand the context in which somebody is writing or what I'm reading, right? So the first one, first A is author, right? Um, we all know that the author of this letter is the Apostle Paul. Um, we know a lot about Paul, right, from the scriptures, from antiquity, but primarily from the scriptures as the sole source, right? We meet Paul for the first time in Acts chapter 7 as Saul, as a persecutor of the early church, right? He was the one that was holding coats and, and you know, giving thumbs up to to the murder and killing, the, the martyrdom of Christians in the early church. Um, Acts chapter 9, he starts to go towards Damascus and Syria because his intent is to continue to round up Christians, to continue to persecute and bring uh, pain and suffering to the early church. And on that way, he, he meets this guy named Jesus, um, has an amazing experience with him on the Damascus road. Um, he's struck blind. He's blind for a few days. Um, God uses Ananias to heal Paul to remove the scales from his eyes and from that moment forward he grows and develops to be the most um, influential evangelical in the early church for missionary purposes uh, particularly for the Gentiles right that was his missionary focus was on the Gentiles and that's important right because this letter that we're reading is is to a Gentile place right which brings us to the second a so we have author now we have audience the second a is is the believers in the church at Ephesus Okay, Ephesus is a really cool place. Um, if you ever do any research or study into Ephesus, it's kind of a neat place. It's kind of been all around the map as far as like who's sort of been running the show, right? So Ephesus was founded about 10th century BC um, by the Greeks. So as we all know, Greeks had lots of gods and lots of things, and so they built all these temples and all this kind of stuff. Um, 
We also know that later on, about 130 BC, they were then conquered by the Romans, right? So the Roman Empire is growing. They come to this place called Ephesus, which is this port city, strategic location, and they take over, right? <clears throat> they start to run things. They start to change things. Um, they kept a lot of the polytheistic viewpoints that the Greeks had, and they kind of rolled that into their own sort of hedonistic viewpoint or worldview, rather. Um, but point is, is that they, they kind of ran the show. Um, they ran it even up and beyond, way beyond, as a matter of fact, um, where Paul, where we find Paul kind of ministering to this church and writing to this church. Um, it was later conquered by the Turks um, in the 14th century A.D., um, by the Ottomans when the Ottoman Empire was expanding and growing and those kinds of things. And so <clears throat> there's lots of different cultural influences that this area has had, and you can go there today. Um, there's a few kids that I see that we taught at VBS this past week. Um, this past week's focus really was to show how archaeological evidence and scriptural evidence points straight to the truth that is Jesus Christ. Um, it was a really, really cool study, and I really, really enjoyed it. But uh, one of the points that I, I made to them multiple times was that these places that we read about in the scriptures aren't imaginary. They're not made up, right? We can go to these places, right? You can go to Israel today and, and see Jerusalem. You can see um, all these great places, right? In this instance, you can go to Ephesus. You can hop on a plane, fly to Turkey, you know, drive a little ways, get to the Aegean Sea, boom, Ephesus. You can see the temples. You can see all the stuff that Paul saw. Like, this is real life, right? This is not made up. And it's just a really cool um, aspect that was brought out during VBS that I want to kind of share today. Um, with respect to, to Ephesus, okay? All right, author, audience, purpose. Why did Paul write this letter? Um, Paul wrote this letter because he absolutely loved the church at Ephesus. He planted the church at Ephesus. You can go back to Acts chapter 19 and 20, um, homework. When you guys get home this week um, and you're studying this week in preparation for next week, go and read Acts 19 and 20 and see where Paul was when he was ministering to the church at Ephesus during his third missionary journey. Uh, it's really, really cool. Um, the last part of Acts chapter 20, Paul is getting ready to leave. He's going back to Jerusalem. He's going back to sort of meet up with the main church leadership. And he knows, he actually tells them that persecution awaits him. He knows it for a fact. He knows he's going to go. He says that he's going towards chains and affliction. Right? He tells them how he served them over the years. Right? He stayed there a really long time for Paul anyway. It was two whole years that he stayed with that church. Um, he tells them to be prepared for false teachers, which I think is another sermon for another day, but that's pretty powerful that that was one of the warnings he gave them was to watch out for false teachers. And then Luke records in Acts chapter 20, verse 36. If you want to flip there, that's cool. If not, it'll be up on the screen. But after he tells them all these things, it says this in verse 36. It says, after he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them, knelt down and prayed with the whole church. There were many tears shed by everyone, and they kissed Paul and embraced him grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of passion in this letter. There's a lot of love in this letter um, that we kind of glance over as you read it over and over and over and over again. You kind of miss that point. That's really, really important here. Um, and we'll, we'll see by in just a minute. So we've got author, audience, purpose, and period. That's the last P. So the period Paul wrote this, he was in, uh, it was uh, under home captivity around 60 AD um, in house arrest. If you, you can go look in Acts chapter 28, you can read it. You can see what it's all about. Um, theologians believe that he actually wrote three other letters during that same time period, that he wrote Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon at the same time. So you'll see a lot of common themes in across those three 
or four letters um, for you Bible nerds out there, of which I am one of them. Okay. So one other point that I wanted to make for, for sake of context is intro. This is just the intro still. <laughs> so uh, the, the running joke is that when Kenny preaches, you guys get early lunch. I guess when Patrick preaches, I hope he brought a snack. Um, so, sorry. The letter, the, the Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians is kind of cool because, um, and we miss it a little bit in the English because of the way that the English language works and it kind of muddies some of the, some of the nuances that are found in the original text. But um, this letter is divided neatly in half. And of course it's divided neatly in half because there's six chapters and then the first three chapters are one way and the second three chapters are another way. So three plus three is six. Um, duh. But <clears throat> what's really cool here is how Paul kind of shifts gears from... And it's demonstrated in the, the mood that the verbs are in. And I, I'm sorry for all you people who slept through most of your English classes. I'm going to touch on this a little bit because I think it's important. Um, mood, verb mood really talks about how the verb associates with the reality around us, right? And the best way that I can think to kind of explain this is to give examples. So if you open up your Bible, hopefully you're in Ephesians chapter 4. And hopefully I remember to say that because I can't remember if I did or not. Um, Ephesians chapter 1. So uh, Heath brought this up. Last week, so if you flip to the left a couple of pages, um, Ephesians 1.13 says this. In him you were sealed with the, Holy, the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation when you believed. Right? So here, when it says you were sealed, the, the mood of that verb is the indicative mood. And that basically is this is what God has done. It's what God has done, what he's doing, or what he will do. Right? It's a sense that God has done it. It is true. Right? God has promised. He sealed us with the promised Holy Spirit. And kids in the room, this is where you guys get to shout at me, okay? Y'all paying attention? Eyes up here. When God makes a promise, what does he do? Huh? He keeps it. We worked on that this week, too. <laughs> right? When God makes a promise, he keeps it. He sealed us with the promised Holy Spirit. He promised the Holy Spirit at the end of the gospel. Right? And there he is. And we are sealed by it. Um, indicative mood. It's going to happen. It has happened. It will continue to happen. Okay? Uh, here's another example. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Let's read that together. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you were saved by grace. Um, I contemplated just closing the book at this point and walking off stage and just, you know, mic drop. Um, such a powerful truth, right? We were saved by grace. Uh, later, Paul tells us that it's nothing that we did so that we can't boast about it. It's all through Christ. Um, only Christ can do those things. And and here <clears throat> in verse 5, it says that we were made alive. There's so much certainty in that verb when you kind of consider the context around it. We've been made alive through Christ by God, right? That's the that's the verb I wanted to focus in on. That's the mood. It's it's done. It's, it is finished, right? It, it has been completed. The only way that's possible is through Jesus Christ. I think if we went around and handed a mic around the room, we could hear some amazing stories about how through Christ we have been saved by faith. Um, 
for the sake of time, we won't do that. But only God can do that. Um, and I pray that every person in this room understands that, that only through Christ can we come back to God. And there's a, there's a bunch of other examples throughout Ephesians, the first three, ver, uh, first three chapters, rather. I'm not going to go into all of them. But the point is, is that Paul continually shows through Christ what has been accomplished. No doubt about it, Christ has done these things, right? Then chapter 4, verse 1, starts with the word therefore. And uh, one adage that I like to use is that if there's a therefore, you ask what the therefore is therefore, right? What's the therefore, therefore? In light of all those things that we just talked about, all the things that we have through Christ, the salvation that we have, the blessings that we have, all those things we have through Christ, now it's our turn. The verb mood shifts here in chapter 4 from indicative, where it's certainty, to imperative, which is the mood of command. It's our, jo- it's our turn now to respond to what Christ has done for us. Okay? So in light of all that, my introduction is finished. 15 minutes? I'm kidding. Um, open your Bibles to uh, chapter 4 of Ephesians. We're going to look, start in verse 25. Paul says this, Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the, the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and anger and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. So, newsflash shocker, I am a sinner. Heath is a sinner. Kenny, sorry man, sinner. And we are all sinners. How do I know this, right? Other than the obvious, look around you. The Bible tells us so, right? Romans 3.23. So, what is sin, right? If we all have this common characteristic, we're all made up of the same sinful nature, what is it? So, I hold in my hands what Alex, or Alan Ostrowski, Ostrowski, however you say his last name, North, North Campus Pastor Guy, what you would call an object lesson. This is an arrow, not mine. Um, it's actually my wife's. Uh, yeah, go figure. Um, <clears throat> if I shot this thing, run, uh, if she shoots it, she actually hits the, the thingy down on the end that you're shooting at, the target. That's the thingy. Um, right, so the point of archery, right, is you've got an objective down the, down the range, right? It's got a number of concentric circles. Closer to the center you get, the more points you get, right? Um, you want to hit that center bullseye to get the maximum number of points. The word for sin used here by Paul and throughout all of the New Testament is actually an archery term. It means to miss the mark, Right? So when you shoot that arrow downrange and you don't hit the objective in the Greek, you've sinned, 
right? You've missed the mark. So what's what's the mark? What's the objective, right? God's holy standard is the mark. God's standard is the objective. And we whiff all the time. We miss it, right? 99 times out of 100, if I were to shoot that thing down range, I'd miss every time. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> right? <clears throat> but we fall short. We miss constantly. We miss God's standard all the time, right? Um, interesting tidbit that I found when I was doing my studies, the word in Hebrew, there, it's, it's, it's used multiple times in multiple different ways, but literally it means to miss, right? So that same term was then trans- moved into the Greek and to mean to miss the mark is more of an archery term. So I thought that was kind of cool. That, that one's a freebie. You guys can take that or leave it, whatever. Okay, so now that we know kind of what sin is, we're missing the mark, let's, let's talk more specifically about how sin impacts us, the effects that sin has on us and the people around us, right? So if you're taking notes on the back of your sheet, you've got some space. Um, I'm a note taker. So when, when he says, for all you note takers out there, I feel like he's speaking straight to me. Um, point number one is this. Sin is an insult to a holy God. Sin is an insult to a holy God. Back in April... Heath did an amazing job, in my opinion, of, of breaking apart a very crucial part of the scriptures in Isaiah chapter 6, where we see Isaiah, he goes to the temple, he sees the Lord high and lifted up, right? His robe is filling the temple. And Isaiah's response is amazing, right? It's awe, it's confession, right? And what are the three things that he confesses, right? He is a sinner, people he ministers to are sinners meaning everybody and god is holy 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 right god cannot be in the presence of sin or sinful people it's against his character he can't he can't do it It, because he's perfect he's without blemish he's without blame right take that consideration and go back to verse 30 of what we just read verse 30 says this don't grieve god's holy spirit you were sealed by him for the day of redemption the holy spirit of god which was God's promise to us. And remember, when God makes a promise, he keeps it. God's promise to us was the Holy Spirit, who now is part of our lives as believers. He's, he dwells within us. He's meant to lead us, right, as we walk the narrow road of Christianity. And he also helps us to understand the scriptures. So as we walk through our day-to-day, and we think of the, the, the sins that we've committed, um, those sins impact our relationship with God and even grieve the, the presence of God that lives within us. So as we go through the day, remember that, right? That a sin that you may commit, you've just grieved the Holy Spirit, and it makes it harder and harder to walk that path, right? It's an insult to a holy God. Point number two, sin is an impediment to our relationships. Two eyes, insult, impediment. What do you think the third point is going to start with? That's right. I learned. This is an impediment to our relationships. Our sin affects the way that we relate to the people around us, right? Um, verse 26. This is kind of the target verse that we've been looking that we're going to be looking at, right? Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So he's here. He's quoting Zechariah. But here's the really cool part. In the context of that command, he's talking to the whole church at Ephesus and by proxy all of us. The verb there is plural. It's not singular. He's not talking to one person. He's talking to the collective, right? 
So in context of all that we just read in those few verses that we read, he's talking to the whole church. Go through Ephesians, I dare you, and circle and highlight how many times the term one another is used. That's one word in the Greek. Circle it. See what he's talking about. He's talking about unity through Christ. Our sin affects our ability to be unified as a body of believers, locally and globally, right? And when we sin, we allow our anger to fester and our relationships suffer and can even die. We can lose closeness with one another. And the world around us tells us to be independent. You can do it yourself, right? Be independent. You can do it yourself. I can stand here and testify that that concept is pure and utter nonsense, right? Before I was saved at 23 years old, I was, Andy John used to say, lost is a ball in high weeds. I was lonely. I was scared of failure. I was depressed. I had relationships. I had acquaintances, I should say. But when things got hard, they were gone. Until my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, told me about a man named Jesus Christ. And through her witness, I was saved at our premarital counseling session. And it hasn't been the same ever since. So the, the relationship that God used to bring me to him is the closest relationship I have in the world. And it's allowed me to have relationships with a lot of you guys. Right? There's been a lot of new faces over the last couple of years, and I love that about this church, that it continues to evolve and grow. But there's some friends that I have in this room and in, in the first service that I can point to and say, closeness, relationships, that's how God has rigged it. God has set it up that way so that we can work together, we can live together, we can work with one another. And when sin comes and conflict comes and difficulties come, we are called to forgive one another. Go to verse 32 of what we just read. Verse 32, chapter 4 of Ephesians, he says, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. There it is twice. To one another. Just as God also forgave you in Christ. See, as Christ has forgiven us, we too should forgive. And I know that's like, oh, well, duh. If it was so well, duh, then why don't we do it? Why do we harbor hard feelings towards other believers? Right? Let it not be so. In this place... And in my life, for sure. Okay. So, it's it's an insult to a holy God. It's an impediment to our relationship. And sin is number three. It's an invasion on yourself. It's an invasion on yourself. Sin is wicked. Right? Kenny brought this out a couple of weeks ago when we finished up our study in the Lord's Prayer. Sin is not cute. Right? Sin is not a little kid poking at a marshmallow. Right? That video was adorable and it was a good le- it was a good lesson and a good point, but <clears throat> it's not cute. Right? Sin is wicked. It's those other two things we already talked about, um, and we spend a lot of time as believers justifying our sinful attitudes as just a character trait or as somebody else's fault. Right? That is a very worldly way to deal with our shortcomings. Right? We need to take ownership of of the wrongs that we commit. We need to seek forgiveness from one another, just as the Bible is telling us here. This is not this. This is speaking to me. Hopefully, as it's speaking to you. The fact of the matter is, is that your sin has the capability, has the potential to rip everything away from you, in every 
relationship you have and take away everything that you love and hold dear. And, and the key here is that, and Paul brings this out in verses 17 through 19, is that he's telling us that we need to change the way we think. Take captive every thought, right? He talks about it in Romans too, is that we need to renew our minds, right? Daily renew our minds. It's the, the action is continual, right? That's a command. That's what we're called to do. It's a continual action, right? Here he says, Paul says in these verses in 17 and 19, that <clears throat> non-believers... Um, have allowed their thoughts to become useless, right? And their hearts to turn towards the sinful desires, which lead to sinful actions, which completely aligns with James. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, and throw it up on the screen here. It'll be on the uh, lower third for those of us who are watching at home. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Note his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and with sin is, is fully grown, it gives birth to death. The Bible is very clear here. This is not wishy-washy language. Sin kills. It leaves you dead, empty, and lacking in all things. The other point here is that sin affects everybody. We've talked about that a couple times already. Sin is universal. 1 John two fifteen and 16 says this. Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. Your version may say lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Um, But the point is is that there's three components to sin. And where in the world did he come up with taking something so universal and boiling it down to three very simple points he must have gone to seminary and learned how to put him in three things um he just didn't use alliteration shame on shame on paul or shame on john rather these are the jokes um where did he get these ideas right genesis chapter three right satan approaches eve eve um satan approaches eve he basically gives her the did god really say not to eat from any tree and we know her initial response is, well, no, he said just not to eat that one. We can have all of these over here, but we're just not supposed to eat this one, right? And Satan starts to dig a little bit at God's, the word that God gave them. And in verse 6 of chapter 3 of Genesis, it says this. Do I have it? Yes. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for attaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. So what are the three things we see here? She saw that the food was good, or the fruit was good for food. It was pretty, right? And it could give her wisdom. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. These are the same three things that Eve suffered with when she saw the fruit and wrecked it for the rest of us. Same three things, okay? Fast forward to Matthew chapter 4. Satan... Jesus is in the wilderness. He's been fasting for 40 days. And I don't know if there's anybody in here who has fasted before. I've fasted for like a couple days. 40 days is a long time, right? Um, I don't know. Kenny, 40 days. That's tough. (laughs) Um, 
He's fasted. He, so he's, he's tired. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He's all these things. And Satan comes and he promises him a couple of things. Three things, as a matter of fact. He tempts Jesus with food, right? Turn these stones to bread. An opportunity to prove himself. Jump off the temple and the angels will catch you and all these people are going to see, right? And he, gives him, he offers him possessions. Everything you see here will be yours. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. It's the same thing. Sin has been the same from the beginning as it is to today and will be forever. It's the same three points, right? Let's use that as weaponry to understand our enemy, right? 77 years ago, last Sunday, was the 77th anniversary of the D-Day invasion in Normandy, right? Thousands of troops stormed the beaches at Normandy with the purpose of invading German-occupied France, right? Did they just float up to the beach and just step on the beach and start doing their thing? No. They studied and they, they war-gamed and they looked to see where the weaknesses were. As a matter of fact, they even came up with fake operations to try to make the enemy think that they were going to go this way when they were actually going this way. They even went to, I've, I've studied this this week, they even went far enough to, to make fake patches for those fake operations to make people, to make the enemy spies and stuff think that they were actually going somewhere else, right? But they had studied and learned over the years of the war where the weaknesses were, and they were able to storm the beach and basically change the flow of the entire war, right, on the, on the Western Front. Um, just amazing. Still stands as the the largest seaborne invasion in military history. The cost was great. It was tough. It was obviously hard. Lots of people lost their lives. I know a lot of folks who have loved ones who lost their lives in that battle. But was it worth it? Right? Our battle is against a common enemy that we have a very clear playbook on how to handle it. And we have each other. We have the church. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So we need to know our enemy. Is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to take sacrifice? Absolutely. Can you do it on your own? Not a chance. This is a powerful enemy we're dealing with here. But God has given us the weapons and equipped us to deal with it. Okay? Now, this is the audience participation portion of our program. Um, uh, There was a pastor that I used to listen to a lot. He's retired now. Um... He was up at McLean Bible Church up in Washington, D.C. His name was Lon Solomon. Um, he was, he, I think he still is, the chairman of the board of Jews for Jesus. Okay? Jewish upbringing, when you listen to the guy, he sounds very, he just sounds that way, right? He's just got that personality. It's very, very in your face and very open and stuff. Um, what, he would use, what he would do, he would get about 20 minutes into his sermon after he had given them all this you know, background and theory or, or, or application, right? He would get to the application portion, and he would get the entire congregation to go, so what? So that's what you're going to do, okay? So I have, I'm throwing up on the screen so you can see what you're supposed to say, okay? And on the count of three, I want to hear everybody shout it. I want them to be able to hear it on the live stream, okay? On the count of three, one, two, three. Fantastic. Good job. A plus. So what? Who cares? Sin is universal. Let's just keep on sinning. Let's just keep on keeping on. We already have the Holy Spirit. We're already saved. Let's just skirt on into heaven and, and, and have fun while we're here. Absolutely, positively not. Right? The scripture is very clear on that. Right? 
So I want to give you three practical applications on how to defeat this enemy. Okay? And in true good sermony fashion, they all start with the letter R. So they're easy to remember. Okay? The first one is repent. Point letter A. Repent. Okay? Repentance is a very clear term. You're walking this way towards sin. And the idea is, is to turn completely 180 degrees and walk this way without looking back. That's true repentance. As a matter of fact, that's the, 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 the original word that is used there is a complete shift in your mind. So don't just think physically walking away. Think mentally, completely turning your mind the other way and never looking back. Never looking back on the squalor that used to be your life. Right. <clears throat> Verse 23 here, before where were we reading, it says to renew the spirit of your minds. We already kind of talked about that, right? It's a renewing of your mind. It's admitting that your wrong belief led to a wrong attitude, which resulted in a wrong action. Okay? Folks in this room, and, and I know there's, there will be folks in this room and, and tuning in later, um, repentance is important in the idea that the Bible tells us that salvation is as simple as repentance, but it's as serious as eternity. If you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repented of your sins, there's a very real place called hell that awaits you because you've decided to choose sin over Savior. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came, he was born as a man, died, was raised again on the third day, and has given us the opportunity to defeat death through repentance and faith, to be strong against sin. Are we going to sin? Yes. But we have that stamp, that sealed approval of the promised Holy Spirit when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that in this place, I urge you, I, I implore you today to give that thought some consideration. Repent, turn, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you will be renewed. Believers in this room, the idea of repentance is not just one of salvation. It is a daily renewal that should take place in all of us. Right? Repentance is not just a, a non-believer term. It's for us too, because we turn our minds back towards that thing, whatever it is. If you want a list of examples, go read Galatians 5 and see the long list of things that we can all suffer with and struggle with. Again, he's writing to church people there. Galatians 5, 17 through 19, I think it is. Um, go and read it. There's a laundry list of things that we all have committed. As believers, we should still repent and turn back towards the God who saved us. Don't make it, don't make it just a, an unbeliever thing. Make it a believer thing. Make it part of your life. As a matter of fact, this idea of repentance and, and forgiveness and turning back to God and turning back to one another, Paul is writing to a church that makes 21st century America look like a convent. Right? Prostitution was rampant. Sexual sin, all that stuff was everywhere. Right? Not unlike what we're dealing with today, but we should still repent and turn back to God. It'll strengthen our relationships. It'll strengthen our relationship with God. And it'll strengthen, strengthen the church, local and global. Uh, letter B, right? Second point is to rebuild. Right? Uh, Tom Pennington and I were talking last week. He's been having some back troubles. He's been going to physical therapy. Um, I went to physical therapy a number of years ago for a knee surgery that I had. Um, I went for about six weeks. And my insurance then said that I'm not going to cover it anymore. So I quit going. Um, the idea when you do physical therapy, most of us probably have done it at some point, but the idea, right, is you're trying to rebuild muscles that have started to fail, right? You, you do a lot of leg exercises and one-legged squats and all this kind of stuff, right? 
But the idea is to rebuild that muscle back to where it was before. Because I quit doing it, this leg still today is weaker than the other one. Um, I, I put aside the idea of rebuilding and um, decided to just do it my own way. Right? Think about that as you continue in your walk with Christ. Continue to rebuild. If you fall, rebuild. If you break a relationship, rebuild. If you do something silly, ask for repentance and forgiveness and rebuild the, the issue. Um, that idea is, is also from, could be very powerful. Okay. Last one, um, repent, rebuild, replenish. And what do I mean by that? Pray. Commune with God Almighty on a daily basis, as often as you can. Pray without ceasing, Paul tells us. Right? The idea that Adam and Eve, who walked and talked with God face to face, right, they fell. <laughs> How much so that we could also fall and should also seek to, to commune with God Almighty. We've got that open channel through the death of Jesus Christ that we can pray to God. So why not take advantage of it, right? Other than just thanks for dinner, um, continue to pray. Read your Bible, right? Never do I walk closer with God than when I'm in this thing, when I'm reading God's word on a regular basis. Um, read it. There's so much truth in here. Um, if you don't, like, have a plan or are kind of confused, like, where do I start? There's 66 chapters. That's a lot of pages. I don't know where to begin. Come and talk to us afterwards. We've got Bible study plans. Um, you can you can get into part of a group, right? There's my shameless plug for groups. Get in a group. You know, we study the word together. We, we live life together. We do life together. We help each other. We find plans that we can all focus in and study together. That's, it's, it's very, very powerful to be part of a group. Um, I know that we're kind of off groups right now for the summer, but once groups start back up again, this is a great opportunity midweek to sort of replenish and recharge Lots of re things, lots of re words. Man, I'm getting good at this. Um, the last one that I'll, I'll share, and this is something that I've I, I've kind of neglected. Um, so he's definitely been rocking me a little bit on this. Is get an accountability partner, get somebody that you trust to to, to walk side by side with, to hold you accountable. Um, if there's a particular thing that you struggle with, you know, let that person know, and they can hold you up and hold you accountable. You know, did you did you do xyz no awesome keep it up or yes i did oh well let's work on that right that kind of thing you can study your word together it's so powerful to walk side by side with another believer um in that sort of relationship um get an accountability partner um and then the last one uh, and this is a freebie is to respond um, every sunday we have an opportunity to kind of respond to what the message maybe god laid on your heart as you heard the message um, you can you can respond in your seat as we worship, as we close. Um, respond and, and worship God. Thanksgiving for all the things that he's given you for salvation through Christ, um, which is obviously amazing. Or you can come up here to the altar. You can pray. Pray for a relationship that may have, may have been broken. Pray for um, some sin that may be affecting you in, in a very negative way and is impacting your life. Just come up here and pray. Um, just respond. For those who um, maybe need to make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, come and talk to us afterwards. Or you can come up here. Um, we'll have the decision counselors in the back. Um, come and talk to us. Also, the baptism thing Heath talked about, we're going to have a baptism service in a couple of weeks. We're going to get to baptize those five kids in VBS, which was so awesome, guys. I can't even tell you 
um, the conversations and the questions. Oh, so good. So good. Um, if your baptism needs to get in order, um, if you haven't been baptized or you want to be baptized, you want to ask some questions about that, please come and talk to us um, while we do this last song. Uh, praise team, come on up. Um, this is so weird. Heath, come on up. Um, and, and lead us in a closing song. I just thank you guys so much um, for, for listening. Um, thank you so much for um, this opportunity. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, let's pray together. And uh, let's all stand to our feet and we'll pray together as we prepare to worship again. Father God, we're so grateful for your word. We thank you for this opportunity that we've had to open up your truth. And Father, I just pray for each person in this place to respond in their own unique way. Myself included, God, I just want to um, pray for response and pray for, for hearts this morning. Father, we know that we have this universal problem called sin. And that the only way that we can defeat this universal problem is to rely solely on you and the people that you've put in our lives. The power of prayer. God, I just pray that today as, as a local church that we would be strengthened by your Holy Spirit, the closeness and relationships, first and foremost with you, God, but with each other. And God, I just thank you so much for this church family that's meant so much to our family over these years. I just pray that as we uh, sing this last song, Lord, that you would give us the strength and the, the courage to respond to your truth. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.
When temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope seat really quick. Just a couple of announcements you want to know. Uh, I was going to thank Patrick um, just really quickly. When he thought of fasting, he thought of me. And I didn't know if it was because I needed to or if he thought I did. But anyway, that's not the point now. Um, but thanks for being here today. Just a couple of announcements. If you uh, need to make a decision, uh, please, uh, there's a connect card in the seat in front of you. If you're a first-time guest, we'd love to have your information uh, just to follow up with you, if you have a prayer request, all those things can go on that Connect card. So they're in the chair behind you. Fill them out. Drop them in the next steps on the way out. Uh, next Sunday, Father's Day, uh, is Trash Panda Day here. Uh, we have a lot of tickets so we can all kind of worship and sit together. Not worship, fellowship and sit together. Uh, and Yeah, we're going to worship at the Panda Games. It's going to be awesome. Uh, fellowship together. Uh, if you want those tickets, they're for sale also at the Next Step desk out front. Uh, our summer nights start this Wednesday. All the adults will kind of be in here for something different. Students and ch- uh, children will meet in their appropriate places. Uh, and then also giving. There's a bucket by the back door. We still have an online um, giving option, a text to give, and you can always put it in the mail. So all those things, all those announcements are coming. And last but not least, we have one more announcement you get to watch. Hey everybody, we're here at the Elkmont Rec Fields to tell you about an event that's coming up. We've had two years of successful fireworks displays here at these fields, and this year is going to be bigger and better than ever. That's right, Alan. It's going to be bigger than it ever has before because all three campuses will be coming together for food trucks and fireworks from 5 to 9 p.m. here at the Elkmont Municipal Rec Field. That's right, Andy John. We're going to have multiple food trucks, professional uh, program fireworks show, inflatables, giveaways, and even a tethered hot air balloon. We want to see you there. And I'd like to think that we could communicate all this in a mature and straightforward manner, but that's just not really our style. We're going to run through all that information one more time for you, but just to speed things up, we're going to give ourselves a time limit. The length of this fuse. Food Church of Fireworks, June 27, 5 to 9 p.m. at Elmont Rec Fields. Golly, it's so much louder than I thought. It's covering the other side. <laughs> Multiple food trucks, and for folk and professional fireworks, go. 
Multiple Food Works. Gosh. Multiple Food Trucks and Program Professional Fireworks Show. We'll also have free inflatables and giveaways and hot air balloon rides. We'll also have free inflatables, giveaways, and hot air balloon rides on tethers. Bottom line is we're all going to have a great time together, and I promise we will leave the fireworks to the professionals. I had the smallest lighter out of everybody. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, thank you guys so much. This is going to be an awesome, awesome day. Uh, it's two weeks from tonight. Uh, the North Campus has been doing this the last couple of years. Honestly, it's just outgrown their ability to 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 do it well. They need help. And so uh, Main Campus and East Campus, we want to come alongside them and minister and to love people. So we're actually in charge of the inflatables that night. So if you can be here to help us with the inflatables, uh, just let us know. We're going to man the inflatables make sure nobody gets injured. But we also just invite you to come out. Elmont's not that far away. And I promise you, you will not find a better uh, fireworks show, especially on June 27th, but probably even in general. So make sure that you uh, come out to Elkmont, uh 5 to 9 p.m. We'd love to see you there, okay? I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then we'll get out of here. Father, we thank you, God, that um, that you uh, have gifted us, God, uh, each one of us in unique ways, God, to be the church together. And I'm th- so thankful, God, uh, for this church family that you've brought together over the years. And, God, I'm thankful that, that, uh, that now I get to be a part of this family. Um, and God, to, to, to help lead according to your spirit here. And so, Father, I pray uh, that you would continue to guide us and lead us through your spirit to, to make uh, wise decisions as individuals, to, to seek out your will um, in our personal lives, but God, also as a church, that you would keep us close. Uh, God, help us to connect with one another. Uh, God, we're coming out of such a disconnected time uh, with, with the COVID-19 virus and, God, uh, all the things that went into that. God, I pray that you would help us over the next few few weeks and months, God, to begin to reconnect um, and, God, to connect with a lot of the new people that you've sent our way. And so, Father, we're thankful for this opportunity uh, to, to serve you here at Lindsay Lane East, and we pray that, that you go with us and protect us and, and help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all have a great week.